Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who loves taking naps, Brandon Siegel. How are you doing today? You know, for someone who loves taking naps, I never take them. So I, if I was able to take more naps, I 100% would. But we are, of course, back another week. Uh, the third member of this podcast is, of course, Ben O'Brien, and he is here with us today. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm fantastic, Brandon. I'm super excited. We got baseball on today. We got spring training baseball for the first time mm-hmm. in a long time. I get to watch some baseball. So, I mean, I know you guys share my enthusiasm in some spring training baseball. So um, I'm super excited. Yeah, you know, I think I'd rather watch a tortoise race than watch spring training baseball, okay. but that might well, just be me. That's just mean. That's just a little mean, but <laughs> uh, but that's that's a whole story for another day. Let's let's we can just get straight into the episode here. Um, and we had some big news come out early this week, uh, where Tiger Woods got was involved in a single car accident. Um, of course, we all wish that you know he he you know heals up and is ends up being okay for himself. Obviously, we all want to see him play golf, but that should just be an afterthought at this point in time. So, Ben, as of course an avid golf fan and a big Tiger Woods guy, uh, what were some of your thoughts when you heard this? And you know, uh, you know, do you think he'll be able to play again? What do you think? Well, my first thought was I I saw like a TMZ article or something, and I was like, "There's no way this is real." Because part of me thought, and maybe that's just uh, I don't know why I thought this, but I just kind of assumed like Tiger Woods doesn't drive himself, like because I saw like you know Tiger Woods was driving, he crashed, and I was like, "That's not true," because he wouldn't even be driving. I don't believe it. Um, because for some reason, like like LeBron doesn't drive himself, I just thought maybe Tiger Woods doesn't drive himself either. Um, but yeah, it was just it was scary because. I mean, the first thing you saw when the reports came out, he was already in surgery. He had been in surgery for a long time. So we really had no idea what was going on. Um, and then, you know, hours and hours went on, and finally they said he was out of surgery. He was in stable condition. Um, and I will say that, I mean, he, like, he, we've, everyone's seen the video or whatever, the pictures, but he rolled way off the road, and they said that, like, some neighbor is, the, like, called the police because he saw the crash. So imagine being that neighbor that not only did you call, I mean, you saved somebody's life, but you might have saved Tiger Woods's life. Like that neighbor, that neighbor needs to be interviewed. That neighbor needs to be all over the news. Cause I just imagine being that person. Like, yeah, I just, I called the cops. I saw a crash. Oh, by the way, it was Tiger Woods. Like, I just think that'd be such an interesting thing to say is like, yeah, I'm the one that called the cops, got Tiger Woods out of there. Um, as far as his career, I mean, I, I have no idea. I, I don't, nobody is going to know at this point. It's been less than a week. Nobody knows how he's going to do. I mean, he's Tiger Woods. He's done a lot more than people have probably thought he could do in his life, but I mean, based on what they say about his injury, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to, to be a professional golfer again. I think he might be able to golf again, but at a professional level, I think it might be hard for him to do it. Um, but again, I mean, it's Tiger Woods. He's proved a billion people wrong. So, I mean, who knows? Nobody really knows at this point. I think the important thing is that he's okay. Like, he's not he's not dead, and that's probably the most important thing. But based on his career, nobody knows, and I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Trevor, any uh, final thoughts here on this? Yeah, I mean, we're... Whether he's going to play or not, again, I don't know. I mean, I just think, like, once I saw the news and, you know, once we kind of figured out that, that he was okay, like, yes, he has some bad injuries, but, you know, he, he he's still here. Obviously, he's definitely, uh, you know, recovering now. So I think that's that's all great, and it really just, you know, makes you think again. You know, we have these moments where you think about, man, you just got to be grateful for, like, just to simply be alive, like, uh, there's a lot of things that have happened, like, lately, a lot of, you know, uh, crazy stuff. But it, I think it's just good, you know, to just, you know, try to be grateful. And also, regardless of whether Tiger Woods does play or not, he will be um, a, a huge influence on the game of golf, whether he's just, you know, talking about the game, you know, teaching younger uh, athletes, you know. So regardless of whether he plays or not, he's going to be uh, a huge influence in the game of golf. Yeah, 100%. I, you know, we of course here all hope that, you know, everything ends up okay and he, he has a speedy recovery back to just, even if it's just normal life. Um, but that's kind of all small talk uh, for today. We'll kind of exit, of course, with small talk trivia, um, our segment where we, Trevor and I ask each other a trivia question. Uh, we're, I think we're going to work close to approaching the end of it, at least our current, uh, you know, numbers. What is the score right now, Trevor? The score is 42 to 35. Oh, yeesh, that's a big gap. Who's winning? I don't remember. Well, it's doesn't it's matter. not me, unfortunately. All right, Ben says it doesn't matter. Seems like it does matter because Trevor knows who it is, but that's besides the point. Um, today, I will ask my question first. I have a pretty straightforward question. Um, what quarterback has the highest single-season pass attempts in the NFL? So 
what quarterback, and honestly, I'll give you another point if you could tell me. I'll give you up to three points if you can tell me how many attempts within will go within 10 and what year. Okay. So, name of the quarterback who has the most single-season pass attempts. Just attempts. What year and how many attempts. And I will let them all be exclusive. So you can, if you were to guess, let's say the correct answer was 10. Obviously, the correct answer is not 10. But let's say you guess 10. Um, I will let them all be exclusive. So you can get one point for that. But that if you miss the quarterback, let's say you say the quarterback is Mark Ingram, then, you know, obviously that wouldn't be the right answer. So I would give each one as an exclusive point. Okay, so that's a potential of three points total then? The quarterback, yes. the year, and within 10 passing attempts? Yes. Okay. All right. So. And, uh, you know, Trevor, as you're thinking through it here, you keep on thinking. Ben, I would like to hear an answer from you, too. Just that I, I just, I'm curious what you would say. So uh, I want you to think of, you know, three answers for this. And after Trevor gives his answer, we'll hear what you have to say. Okay. Sounds good. I can do that. All right, Trevor, let's hear the thought process. It's, it's big, big brain time from Trevor. All right. So most passing attempts of a quarterback in a entire season is what we're saying. Yes. Uh, entire yes. season. I got to think about the quarterback of the year. Obviously, you got to think about a team who they rely on their quarterback more than, more than you know any other team could. So this is has to be a very good quarterback. Um, also, could be a quarterback where they don't have you know obviously you could say a great running game. Maybe they don't have a great offensive line potentially, um, and you know just the scheme that the team wants to want run. The offensive coordinator, the head coach, they want to run more of a heavy passing attack. So that leads me to think it's very recent um, because we know that, you know, as the NFL has progressed, it's much more of a heavy, like, passing league now than it was in, you know, the 80s, 90s. So right off the bat, I think it's got to be relatively recent, definitely in the last uh, 10, 15 years. Okay, so I'm going to narrow that down. I'm basically excluding all of the older quarterbacks. Okay, so with that being said, thinking about some of the newer quarterbacks where this could make sense. The first name that comes to my mind is actually Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck has been on a lot of Colts teams where they have, you know, bad offensive line. Obviously, you know, we know with injuries, you know, part of that's due to, you know, getting hit a lot, obviously. So they've had bad offensive lines. The running games at times have not been that great. And that's just how their schemes have been. You know, they, they had a lot of heavy passing attacks with those Colts teams and Andrew Luck, I just remember certain, a lot of games where he's, you know, thrown a lot of passes, a lot of completions, a lot of attempts. So Andrew Luck could definitely be an answer. Um, you think of other guys. I mean, Drew Brees could be a possibility as well. Obviously, he's thrown a lot of uh, passes in his career. Peyton Manning, sure, he could be an option. Uh, Brady, maybe, for, for certain seasons. Um, it depends on which season we're talking about, but that's just a possibility. Aaron Rodgers is another one. Um, but I really like Andrew Luck is the one that keeps sticking in my mind. You have other guys, maybe, maybe you could argue like a, I don't know, maybe a Stafford, potentially, I don't know. Uh, Deshaun Watson, we just, I'm sure he had a lot of attempts this season, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Andrew Luck is the name that keeps coming up in my mind for some reason. We, I know that he's had a lot of yards, which those two things can correlate. If you have a lot of attempts, you probably also have a lot of completions. You probably also have a lot of passing yards. Um, so I, I'm just going to go with that answer. I'm going to say it is Andrew Luck. Um, and I think there was a couple seasons where he had a lot. I believe 2016 might be the one where he had the most. I, I believe that was his really good season because he had one season where he had the most yards in the NFL. I'm sure he had a lot of attempts. He had like 38 touchdowns or something and like, I don't know, 14 interceptions. If I don't know. It's something like that. And the Colts were really good. They were a good enough team. They, they lost in the AFC Championship. But regardless, um, that is seeming like a good answer for me. Um, so, uh, do we have anything locked in at the moment? Um, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else that stands out besides that? I mean, like, you could just, like, think about, like, Peyton Manning, 2013, had 55 touchdowns, had a lot of passing yards. That's a possibility. So I guess that could be an alternative answer. Is Peyton Manning 2013, Andrew Luck 2016. Those are both strong ones. Um, Brady 07, I don't, I don't really see it. I don't think. I don't think he had enough. 
Um, and then even like maybe a Mahomes year, potentially one of these past couple years. But I'm going to stick with Andrew Luck one. That's just what my gut's telling me. So I'm going to say Andrew Luck 2016. I'm okay, going to say how many attempts that, I mean, that's, that's, there's no way I'm going to get the attempts, but uh, I gave you within 10, you have within 10 attempts. Yeah. It, it's not going to happen, but I'm going to say, so attempts. So if I go like 40 times 16, uh, I gotta, I've got to bring out my math here. Um, 40 times 10 is 400. Uh, so, so 40 times 10 is 400, 40 times 16. Okay. So we're looking at about 600 plus. I'm going to say that he probably had like, I don't know, 700 passing attempts. So is 700 the exact number you want to lock in? Yeah, it's, it's probably, it, it, I doubt it's within 10, but I'll say 700 Andrew Luck 2016. That's my, uh. That's what I'm locking in. Okay, Ben, do you have your guesses prepared and ready? Yeah, so I mean, I was either going to pick Andrew, or not Andrew Luck, I was either going to pick Drew Brees or Peyton Manning, and basically if Trevor picked one of those, I was just going to pick the other one because I don't really have a preference. So I'll probably just go Drew Brees. I'll say Drew Brees. Uh, The year, I don't know, man. I feel like it could be a bunch of different years. I'll say 2013. No, no, I don't want to do that one. I'll say 2011, Drew Brees. Um, and the number of attempts, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go. With Trevor's right. I'm gonna pull my calculator. I don't know. I'll go like 35 a game for 16 games. That's 560 plus another like 75 maybe in the playoffs. All right. So I'll go. Drew Brees, 2011, 635 attempts. That's does, my answer. Does this include playoffs or is it just regular season? I should ask that. Right. I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. I'll, I'll stick with mine. I, I don't know. So not one of you got any answer correct. Not one of you got any correct. The year was 2012, and on this list, there's 35 quarterbacks ranked, some including are tied. So, so like, mm, 2012. It in 2012, might be Brady, there is one on this list out of the top 35. There's one, two, three, four, five, six quarterbacks from 2012 on this list. So 2012 is the correct answer. The number of passing attempts is 727. Oh wow! That Trevor, you were you were not far off. And the quarterback who did it was Matt Stafford. Mm. Oh, Matt Stafford has the record, 727 pass attempts in a year. Andrew Luck's highest number on here was 627, so 100 less in 2012 also. Okay. Hmm. Which he was 22, so I'd imagine either that was his rookie year or, like, his second year. Um, so 2012 was the big year. There was a lot of passing yards that year. Um, so some of you are a little closer. Ben... Drew Brees was number five on here, six seventy three, and Peyton Manning was number three, six seventy nine. Okay. So, interesting answers for sure, uh, and, and, and close but no cigar for either one of you today. Trevor, what is your question for me? Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that question. I thought that was a really good one by you, Brandon. Yeah. Um, solid. Okay, so thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, of course. All right, so um, you know the Kentucky Wildcats. We know historically they're a very good basketball team. Um, they usually don't miss the NCAA tournament. However, this season, it's uh, almost a certainty, unless they win the SEC championship, that they're going to miss the NCAA tournament. They've been had, had a lot of issues this year. So my question is, when is the last time, and the answer is a year, that Kentucky missed the NCAA tournament? So what year is the last time that Kentucky missed the NCAA tournament? It didn't even go? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is a, a complete guess. I have absolutely no clue. Do you have any clues you'd like to provide? Um, well, I will say, uh, see, I don't know. I mean, it probably won't help. I mean, it's in it's in the last 15 years. I don't know how much that helps, but it at least narrows it down yeah. the options. Um, yeah, that does narrow it down. So um, I'll say that. Just think about, like, you know, Trevor, and I'll let Brennan think here. I'll let Brandon think here, Trevor. I just want to point out, I think I know it, so when Brandon goes, I want to have a guess at this because I think I might know the answer here. Okay. Yeah, just try to think about, like, in certain years, they'll have really good freshmen, right? Because, I mean, they've been churning out these recruiting classes for a while. They'll have, like, a really good year, and then oftentimes the next year they'll have, like, a setback year. So, like, that's that's another little hint, maybe. I mean, here's the thing. Like, obviously, they... They won in 2012. I know that. Um, and I I think the year before they reached the Final Four, too. So, 
I mean, maybe it's around there. Maybe it's after. I'll go with... Shoot, I, I have no clue. I don't know. I feel like... Because I remember... My one little memory is 2011, 2012, they did well, so it could be after that, if what you're saying, just based off of the clues that you gave. But, like, honestly, I don't remember at all. Um, I don't know, it could be before that, though. It could be, like, like 2010. I don't know how good they were in 2010, to be honest with you. I don't even remember. could be 2009, 2000. I have no clue. I, I guess I'll go with my gut. Which is 2010, maybe? I'll say 2010, final answer. Okay. Uh, ben, do you have a, a, a guess or an answer here? Yes, I do. So, I believe, and I kind of like the brand was going here. 2012, they, they won the, the championship. They beat Kansas, Anthony Davis. 2014, they went to the final four. I believe they got to the championship game, lost to UConn. So, I believe the answer is 2013. I know for a fact... Whatever year it was, they lost to Robert Morris in the first round of the NIT. I remember that game had to be played at Robert Morris because Kentucky's arena was being used for whatever reason. And I remember that game being packed. I mean, obviously, it's a big game for Robert Morris. So I know they lost in the first round of the NIT. And I believe that year was 2013. Wow. Well, I, I, I would like to say I'm impressed. Um, ben just got it right. Um, really? Okay. And, and Ben was right about pretty much everything he said, which is very impressive. Um, so no, no points for you, Brandon, unfortunately. And 2010 uh, was, was actually the year when they had John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, uh, and they lost to my West Virginia Mountaineers in the Elite Eight. Very, very good year for me. But the answer is 2013. Um, they're coming off of that championship, 2012. 2013, they did have the setback. 21-12 and 12 was their record, and then they lose to Robert Morris. Um, obviously, they had lost Anthony Davis to the draft. They lost a few other players uh, to the draft. So, yes, that was their setback year, and then... They came back in 2014 and, and made a Final Four run. Um, I think that was the year they were the nine seed as well in that 2014 year. Huh, very interesting. Great job, Ben. That's a point on the board for you. Okay, thank <laughs> you. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. So no no points given out today, um, but we will go to our next segment, which is randomly ranked. We have uh, an interesting one, to say the least. Uh, recently, I have experienced, I don't like many of these items, but recently I've, I've become liking to an, a new one. So I thought it'd be a good topic. I actually don't even think it was my idea. I think it was Ben's idea. But uh, we have our top three favorite vegetables. Top three favorite vegetables. And I want to point out we're doing this based off a ranker list. So there's one on here that I'm personally not going to put on my list. But that I don't consider a vegetable. But this list does. And you'll hear we got one of the three of us will be putting it on our list. Because uh, they're boring. So... They, you know, you'll, you'll hear it, you'll hear it, you'll know what I'm talking about when, when, when he says it. Um, but, uh, Trevor, I, I gave my question first, so I'll let you start off. What are your top three favorite vegetables? All right, so I'd like to preface this by saying that I don't like vegetables. I never really have. Um, but, you know, we're doing it. We this. already know, we already know <laughs> who's going to be cheating on this one after that preface right there. <laughs> but we're doing it anyway. All right, so number three. Uh, I'm going to start off with something that is incredible. I love adding it to uh, different kinds of me uh, meals, I guess, and that is jalapeno, jalapenos, jalapeno peppers. So that's my number three. Um, it's great with like salsa. It's great to have with like chicken quesadillas. It's just um, incredible. So jalapenos, uh, that's my number three. Number two, I'm going with corn. Corn is awesome. It's great to have, especially in the summer. Um, I remember a lot of times where my dad would go and get some of the best corn and we would have corn on the cob and and also that's part of my take is that corn on the cob I know they don't really I know they're the same thing but corn on the cob is definitely better than like off the cob agree. you know you know what I'm saying 100% you have to have corn on the cob it's incredible number one I'm going with the one that I think Brandon was talking about the controversial that's potatoes I think potatoes are a vegetable uh, they're my number one they're incredible a great side dish um, in so many different capacities you know you could have potatoes with you could have like cheesy potatoes you could have potatoes with like bacon and cheese um, or you could just have like some mashed potatoes you know with like uh, like turkey like at Thanksgiving for instance so Potatoes, many different uses. It's a very good side dish. That's my number one. 
Can I want I want everyone to tweet at us at the small bar. The links in the description. Give us a tweet. Is potato a vegetable in your mind? Because I I I don't think we can put it on there. And I know Ben agrees with me. Um, but I'll go before we you know throw it on over to Ben. I don't think this should be included. But my top three. Number three, I gotta go with bell peppers. Specifically red peppers. I love red peppers. I like green peppers a lot too. Um, and honestly, bell peppers are just solid. They they go on a lot of things. They're really good in like eggs. I love them in eggs or in omelets. Um, they're great. Number two is something I've become to like a lot more recently, and that's onions. Um, recently, I put grilled onions on a burger. I absolutely loved it. Now I'm putting onions in everything, and it's fabulous. Onions are so good, especially grilled or caramelized. They are just absolutely fabulous. And number one, I think, is an easy one. I'm not going to say potatoes. That is cheating. I'm going to go with corn on the cob. Um, it's so it's so much better on the cob. Um, but corn on the cob is just such a solid food. And, you know, we live in Ohio, so we don't get corn on the cob year-round. I don't know if that's a thing anywhere. I'd imagine in hotter places you can have corn on the cob kind of whenever. But here, since there's snow on the ground right now, well, maybe not specifically right now, but since it's it's almost March, February, we don't have corn on the cob readily available in our supermarkets, which is very sad. we got to wait for the summer months. Um, but corn on the cob is absolutely amazing. Ben, wrap it up for us. What are your top three vegetables? Yeah, so first I want to give a, uh, an honorable mention to celery. It's mostly water. It doesn't really taste like anything, so I feel like you got to put that on there. You can't really hate celery because it doesn't really taste like a whole lot. Um, my number three is spinach, and kind of for the same reason. Spinach doesn't really taste like anything, so what I do is I throw it in a smoothie. Um, I don't taste it. Added health benefit. You can't really be that upset with it, so I had to put spinach at my number three. My number two, green beans. I feel like not. A, you can't really hate green beans. Like Nobody really hates green beans because— I do. Okay, well, you're kind of crazy because, like, I feel like if you're if you're going to force a kid to eat vegetables, and maybe this is just when I was a kid, my mom made me eat vegetables. She made me eat green beans because green beans aren't that bad. You throw some salt on them. They really – they're not that bad. Um, they, they really are a pretty solid vegetable that I feel like most people, Brandon excluded, uh, are cool with eating. My number one, peppers, more specifically banana peppers. I love banana peppers. Um, I just like the added spice. You can put them on a lot of different things. I, I've, I have had them on um, – a couple different subs from like Penn Station or other sub places. Mm-hmm. It's a nice added spice to the sandwich. Um, and shout out to Papa John's because you get a little banana pepper in your box of pizza when you order from Papa John's. And that's really what I st- mm-hmm. when I started eating banana peppers is when I'd get Papa John's and I eat that little banana pepper in the box. Um, so yeah, banana peppers had to be number one. What what is your take on the potatoes? Should it be included in here? I do not think potatoes should be included. I feel like it's kind of a cheap way uh, to 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 round out your list. Of, of vegetables i feel like there's plenty of other things mm-hmm. you could put you could have put trevor and i feel like vegetables are not deserving of being on a, uh, a vegetable list that's just my opinion though i i'm i'm with you i think we had a little bit of cheating but I, I need you guys to tweet at us at the small ball the link is in the description tell us if you think trevor is valid in putting his potatoes up on his list but let's get into some of our main topics today um and we're going to start on uh an interesting college football article that came out um on ESPN about the top-ranked quarterbacks in the 2000s by career. So not by individual season, by career. And we've had some debate between the small ballers here. Um, they put Baker Mayfield at number one. Um, and we've had some debate whether Tim Tebow should be higher, maybe Vince Young, maybe some other quarterbacks. Um, so we'll put a link to this list in the description so you can take a look at it. Um, but Trevor, I'm going to start off with you because I know you have some general thoughts and then also you want to probably contribute a little bit to that debate about whether Baker deserves to be at number one in terms of career of quarterbacks, college football quarterbacks in the 2000s only. Um, so Trevor, I'll let, I'll let you start this one off. Yeah, so I think I'll start it off with a debate about like who should be number one. I think first off, it's really tough to kind of look back. I mean, we're all young, right? We're all 22, I believe. Yeah, like it's difficult. Ben's 23. Ben's 23. Sorry, Ben. Ben's a little older. He's, you know, he's, he, he's he acts, up there. he doesn't act 23. He, he acts way, way below that age. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. But Ben's getting up there in age a little bit, but yeah, we're all young. So like with some of these guys, obviously we, we didn't get to see play a lot or maybe our memories aren't as good. So like Tim Tebow, for example, my remembrance of Tim Tebow is just that he's, he, he is the greatest. In my opinion, I think he probably, or at least my instinct was to say that Tim Tebow is the greatest college quarterback of all time, or of the 2000s, we should say, of the 2000s, because of just, he wins two championships, his stats are great, um, I mean, it's really, it's really incredible, eight, eight touchdowns, 16 interceptions, uh, he plays four years, he wins two titles, he wins the Heisman, I mean, it seemed like he, he did a little bit of everything, 
and also just like the media coverage and how big it seemed like he was, that makes me think he's the best. Um, is he actually the best? I don't know. I think it's really tough to know because like I said before, I'd have to like go back and try to like watch some of these games and really see who's the best. I mean, Baker's stats do show that he probably is the best. I think like uh, with like Mariota, his stats are also very good. Marcus Mariota from Oregon, he had some good ones. But I think ultimately, it depends how you're framing it. If you're saying the best like career based on like who has the best career, who brings the most value to that university, then someone like Cam Newton, for example, probably shouldn't even be in the top 10 because he only really played one year with Auburn. He was amazing that one year. That one year, you could argue, was the best year that any of these quarterbacks had. But his overall career at Auburn, there's no way it compares. So if we're saying, okay, just straight up the best quarterback you saw at any point, like just straight up peak value, maybe it's Cam Newton, I don't know. If you're saying career, he shouldn't be in the top 10. So I think it depends on the framing. Um, I like to go more with the career thing. So for me, it's like Tebow, probably at the top. Uh, I think Baker's certainly up there. And then Vince Young as well. Although Vince Young is another one. He didn't play quite as much as some of those other guys. But um, he had one of the most amazing games we have ever seen, at least, in that national championship against USC. So uh, there's so many different ways you can look at it. I lean towards saying Tebow should be number one. And then beyond that, I mean, just some of the other guys that were mentioned here. It's kind of just fun to, like, think about, like, uh, you know, where you were when you watched, like, certain quarterbacks. Like, uh, we had, like, Kellen Moore at Boise State. Obviously, um, we had, like... Case Keenum was really good at Houston. I, I mean, you could go through all of them. Pat White, my personal favorite for West Virginia, running the option, you know, watching his highlights. So it's just really interesting to see um, this list. But I do lean towards Tebow as being the best, um, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think there's an interesting debate. And I think we know on this podcast I am an adamant Baker Mayfield hater. I do not think he's good in the NFL. I think he had a well a pretty pretty average season and people are making it out to believe that he's this like wonderful quarterback that deserves 35 plus million dollars per year um which in my opinion he has not proved so i want to preface what i'm about to say with that i I think that it's important for everyone to really understand that baker mayfield is not a good quarterback now that's a whole separate argument and one i think that is true however i think it's important to recognize the statistical just achievements that Baker Mayfield had in his college career. He had 14,607 yards, 69% completion percentage, 131 touchdowns. If you add rushing touchdowns, that's 152 on 30 interceptions, over 1,000 rushing yards in his career. If we are talking about a guy over, over his career where he walked on at Texas Tech, he transferred to Oklahoma, he had to start over fresh twice. Um, if we are talking about purely a career standpoint, not individual season, I would have to give it to Baker Mayfield. I, I think that this is a well-deserved thing for him. He, he was one of the, if not the best, which I believe out of this list, he is the best quarterback in terms of career through the 2000s. I think Tim Tebow is a good argument, though. I really do. Tim Tebow does not have the stats or even close to it um, of of uh, Baker Mayfield. He had 9,285 passing yards. If you add in rushing yards, it's a little under 3,000. That's still only 1,200 total yards. 66% completion percentage. 88 touchdowns passing, 57 rushing. Um, still not quite as much as Baker's 153 in total on 16 interceptions. Um, so obviously didn't throw as much as Baker. Baker definitely had a little bit more of an interception. Uh, he had more interceptions. However, Tebow won two championships. How many college quarterbacks have two championships? Not that many. That is a hard, hard, hard accomplishment. So I think Tebow is a good argument. I would not have put him at four. I would have probably put him at two. Um, but I do think Baker deserves that number one spot. I know you guys disagree with me, but that's just my opinion. Ben, any final thoughts before we move on? Yeah, Tim Tebow is the greatest college quarterback I've ever seen. Um, I'm, I'm, I, and I texted you guys this when I saw it. I'm only slightly insulted that he's not number one. I'm even more insulted that Baker Mayfield's number one. And I'll give Baker Mayfield credit. His stats are way better than I remember him. Um, obviously, I remember him being really good his senior year, but I don't really remember much of him before that. He, he was a great college player. I get that. He's, his stats are amazing. Um, Tim Tebow's stats are not nearly what Baker Mayfield's stats are, but Baker Mayfield also played in, in the Big 12 where there's, they don't play defense. Okay, So Baker Mayfield is chucking the ball 40 yards downfield to his amazing receivers that he has. And I get it. Tim Tebow had great players too. 
Um, but even off the field, if you look off the field, Tim Tebow is a way better leader off the field than Baker Mayfield was. Tim Tebow has one of the most famous speeches you know, in college football history, that I promise speech, whatever it's called. It's literally a plaque on Florida's complex. Okay, So I think Tim Tebow has a greater significance um, to his program than Baker Mayfield does. And Tim Tebow um, won a Heisman Trophy winner as a sophomore. Baker Mayfield won a Heisman Trophy winner as a senior. Tim Tebow, I believe, was a finalist two other times other than the time he won um, the Heisman Trophy winner. So I get it. Baker Mayfield has great stats. Um, they're a lot better than Tim Tebow's, but Tim Tebow played in a, a tougher a defensive conference. Um, he won a Heisman when he was younger, and I feel like he's a better leader off the field. That's why I feel like Tim Tebow, um, in my opinion, is probably a better college quarterback than Baker Mayfield. I think one important thing to mention just before we move on is how amazing both of their teams were. Both of them had so yes. many fabulous players. I mean, you look at Baker's team just because that's the one I most remember. They had Jared Judy. They had Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews. Their old line had, uh, I think it's all NFL players. Their running backs, they had Trey Sermon. They had uh, uh, Joe Mixon. They had uh, Sam P- uh, Pirine, the uh, Washington running back. I don't know if he's still a Washington. But they have had a ton of great players. And same thing with Tim Tebow. They had an enormous amount of uh, NFL players on that team. So I don't think that should yeah. be understated at all. They both did have amazing, amazing supporting cast. But and either way, coaches. I think both. Great coaches. Yeah, yeah. Both had fabulous coaches. Lincoln Riley and, of course, Urban Meyer uh, for Tim Tebow. So very, very good staffs around both of them. And they obviously contributed some of their success. But both were great quarterbacks in college. Let's move on here to some college basketball. Trevor, I know you are itching to talk about some college basketball. And, you know, I'm happy to talk about this first subject. My Michigan Wolverines didn't live it up in football. But, frankly, uh, you know, they're amazing at every other sport also. Typically, they're pretty good at football. This year was not one of them. Uh, number three in the nation. Doesn't seem like they can lose all too much. Um, they they kicked Ohio State's butt. Uh, they just beat Indiana by 18. They're beating every team really in their path. Uh, they haven't lost since, like, I don't know, January or something. So January 16th, they took a little bit of a break. They've had some adversity this season. Uh, so what are some of your thoughts on, on this Michigan basketball team, Trevor? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've just been really impressive. You know, they're 18-1, and one, which is insane. I think they have now, you know, a lot of this year we've been talking about how, like, it's Gonzaga and Baylor at the top, and then there's, like, a big separation to me, Michigan is definitely in that top tier now. And I think, you know, based on the way Baylor is playing lately, and part of it's due to because, you know, they're coming off of, like, the little layoff they had with COVID. They had a little a couple games off, so they're looking a little rusty right now. But right now, Michigan's the second-best team in college basketball, in my opinion. They're right there. Um, st- not quite as good as Gonzaga, I'd say, but, you know, we haven't seen them play yet, so we, we don't truly know. But, again, Michigan, just like I've thought kind of all year – Although I didn't expect them to be quite this good, I was always surprised at how low a lot of like the experts per se uh, had Michigan. You know, they weren't. I don't think they were in the preseason top twenty-five, which I thought was a mistake. I thought they were definitely a top twenty-five team. Um, you know, I was thinking like maybe they're like around that late teens range, maybe around like twenty-ish. Um, but I thought they'd be really solid because they have a really great combination of talent and experience. You know, they have. Um, I think like f- three or four of their starters are seniors. Obviously, you have Eli Brooks. You have um, Isaiah Livers. Obviously, you have uh, v- Wagner. Um, so um, he's a sophomore, but regardless, you have like just this great combination of talent and experience. Hunter Dickinson, who's a freshman, 7'1", 255. He was a, a high recruit, and now he has just been in- unstoppable kind of. And this Ohio State game, I mean – I looked at those two teams and I was like, they're both really good teams. I think it's 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 pretty close. Like I don't think Michigan's a ton better, but to me in that game in particular, where Michigan beat Ohio State, the difference was Hunter Dickinson. I was like, Ohio State doesn't have anyone that can really stop this guy. They can just throw the ball into Hunter Dickinson almost every time down the floor in the last four minutes, and he's either getting you a bucket or he's going the line to shoot some free throws because you can't like stop him without fouling him really so he's been awesome obviously Eli Brooks has been very good uh we know what Isaiah Livers is capable he's capable of he's been good for Michigan for um basically all his career now he's been really solid there so Michigan's just been awesome and um it's good to see they're gonna be fun to watch also like Shondi Brown shout out to him he's like a really good glue guy definitely a very uh great uh team player also another so they just have a complete team. Jawan Howard's been really impressive as a coach. 
um, and they got some impressive uh, recruiting classes that are probably going to con- we're probably going to continue seeing. So Michigan, they've been good for really consistently. Michigan's been good at basketball for a while, I would say. Uh, every once in a while yeah. they have their down years, but consistently they're very good, and I think they're going to be a powerhouse uh, for many years to come. To be honest with you. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. And I think one of the big things about this team is Jawan Howard did an amazing job bringing some of these guys in. If you look at Sean D. Brown and Mike Smith, Mike Smith was transferred to Columbia. He averaged like 23 points last year. He doesn't even start on this team. I mean, he really needed Mike Smith to buy in for this team to be great. And he plays plenty of minutes. He plays almost 31 minutes a game, and he's been great for them. But he's not, you know, scoring. He's not having the ball in his hand quite as much as he did at Columbia. Chandi Brown's transfer from uh, Wake Forest, where he started like 70-some games in his career, and he hasn't started, I think he's only started one game here at Michigan. So he did a good job getting a combination of young guys. These transfers were huge. And to me, it seems like they have like seven, eight, nine guys that are reasonable and they can play with them. So I think it's it's huge um, to be able to have these types of guys on the team, a magnitude of guys, young guys, older guys, transfers that are really able to play. But let's move on to Kansas, who's uh, been doing a little bit better. They had that, that loss to Texas, but besides that, they've been playing really, really, really well. So, Ben, I'm going to start off with you. What do you think about Kansas, their recent little streak? Yeah, I mean, they're playing well at the right time, right? I mean, we're at end of February, early March. This is when, it, this is when you want to be playing your best basketball. I mean, Kansas is doing just that. Because, I mean, early February, it looked like the sky was falling for that program. Um, and people always talk about how... Bill Self, and he really hasn't had very many down years like this, right? Um, Kansas seems to be one of the more consistent Blue Bloods where they're always a, a top 10 team. They rarely have mm-hmm. years where they're down. Um, and people started to think this might be, really be you know, Bill Self's worst season, um, even that early February after they, you know, they took that loss to West Virginia, they took that loss to Tennessee. Um, it looked like kind of the sky was falling for that program. And since then, they've looked like the Kansas team that we've seen you know, year and year and year again. Um, because, again, they're playing in the Big 12, which is a phenomenal basketball conference, and they're looking like one of the better teams in that conference. They just took down Baylor yesterday um, by more than 10 points, and, again, they're just hitting their stride at the right time. I mean, they obviously they have the players to compete with anybody in the country, and for a while it looked like they just weren't doing that whatever for whatever reason. They weren't playing their best basketball, but, I mean, at the end of the day, right now they're they're back to, like, I think they're 11th in the net rankings. They're top 20 in Ken Palm. I mean, they're looking like a team that could go very far in this NCAA tournament, which is what we thought at the beginning of the season. It's what we think every year for Kansas. So, again, I think Kansas fans were worried there for a little bit, but I really do think Kansas is playing well at the right time. Again, it's not going to be easy. They're, they're going to have to um, go through some tough teams in the Big 12 tournament if they play in the Big 12 tournament. And, again, they're going to have to play well in the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, I'm sitting here on the last day in February – and if Kansas is in, you know, the Elite Eight, maybe even the Final Four, I don't think anybody should be really too surprised about it because, again, they've had some tough times this year. But at the end of the day, they're still Kansas, and they still are capable of beating anyone in the country like we just saw yesterday with Baylor. Yeah. Trevor, final thoughts on Kansas uh, before, you know, we kind of continue on? Yeah, I mean, they're playing well at the right time. You know, David McCormick in particular has been much better uh, lately. Yesterday in the game against Baylor, he had 20 points. Uh, he was 8 of 10 from the field. Baylor had trouble finding an answer uh, for him. So they look really good. And, and I don't think this game, again, reflects too much on Baylor's capabilities in the NCAA tournament because, again, they're coming off of this stuff with COVID. They're, you know, it's second game back. So Baylor's going to be fine. Um, but with Kansas, uh, I mean, again, it's it's almost weird to say, but they're almost like kind of like a, I don't know if you'd call it a dark horse, but now, I mean, they're ranked 17th right now, but... They're not one of these uh, teams that, that people are talking about quite as much as, you know, the Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Ohio State, teams like that. Maybe Ohio State not quite as much after their couple losses. But I think Kansas it might be uh, starting to enter that conversation once again. And this is the best I've seen them play all season uh, pretty clearly. Um, early in the season, I didn't think they were playing quite as well as their ranking showed. And now I think they're playing better than what their ranking show. So it's kind of weird. But yeah, Kansas is, the, they're going to be uh, in the mix for sure. Yeah. And Kansas is just looking solid at the right time. Uh, really, really solid. I mean, there was a time that, where Ben mentioned where they were like three and five over like, you know, the, those eight games. And since then, they're six and one. Um, so really, really turning around, doing a good job. 
A couple NBA prospects I want to talk about, Trevor. I'm going to hand the torch off to you. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs. uh, Both have had pretty good seasons. Cade Cunningham especially, which obviously he was the top recruit coming in this class at Oklahoma State. Um, But what are some of your thoughts on these guys? Have you been able to catch some of their games? Yeah, so Cade Cunningham uh, just had 40 points in a game. Um, I mean, he's he's incredible. It seems like he is the consensus number one pick uh, at the moment, and I think he should be. You know, he's been very good. Uh, yesterday against Oklahoma is when he scored the 40 points. Oklahoma, a very solid team, um, and it, it didn't look too difficult for him to get those 40, also 11 rebounds. So, you know, he's one of these guards that can do a multitude of things. Um, he's six. He, and the thing is, we call him, like, he's basically playing the point guard. Kate Cunningham, six foot eight. I mean, he's not like, he's not 6'4". He's 6'8", 220. He's basically playing the point guard as a freshman in college, and he's doing it well. He's averaging about 20 points per game, 6 rebounds, uh, 45% from the field as a freshman. Uh, Some really good numbers, and I think he's elevated this Oklahoma State program as well. I mean, they are, um, I believe they're 16-6 and now, so they... You know, they're going to be in the tournament. I think they're probably going to be ranked um, after their win, I think, after Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma's number seven, so I think they probably at this stage deserve to be ranked. Um, They also beat Texas Tech as well, so yeah, I think they're definitely going to be ranked, and he's been really impressive. Now for Jalen Suggs, he's on this team full of a lot of great players, right? Like, I watched a little bit of that Gonzaga game yesterday against Loyola Marymount in their win, and I think they were talking about how Basically, the starting lineup on Gonzaga might be the starting, like the first team of the WCC. Like all of the five is probably all going to be from Gonzaga, um, which is insane to think about that. But they have a lot of good players, and Jalen Suggs is the best pro prospect. Um, Also another guard. He's been really good. He's shown his athleticism this year. Um, So he's been a really strong player. Uh, just, I guess, candidate potentially for like, uh, maybe not number one, but like top three. I think he could potentially be as high Mm -hmm. as, you know, uh, three or four. He's probably somewhere in that range now. Definitely has risen from where he was at the start. So he's been very impressive as well. You know, we got like Jalen Green, who's playing in the G League. I haven't had an opportunity to catch uh, him play, um, but I know like there's been some buzz about the the new G League team, the, the, the Ignite they're called. So... You know, I haven't gotten a chance to watch any of their games, but I'm hoping to do that here in the future. Yes, of course. So let's let's kind of you know transition over to the NBA a little bit. And Ben, I'm going to start off with you. We got the All Star teams just announced, uh, the full teams, not just the starters. What are some of your thoughts on some of the guys that were announced? Yeah. So my first As thought is, I'm so happy to see Steph Curry back in there because I love Steph Curry. It's great for the NBA, obviously, when you have the greatest shooter of all time back to you know averaging like 30 points a game or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, 29.9. Sorry, 29.9 points again. He'll get that up. He'll probably score like 40 in his next game. He'll get that up. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just great for basketball to see Steph Curry back in there because the Warriors were terrible last year. Steph Curry didn't play last year. As much as I didn't like the Warriors when they were going up against LeBron every year, I mean, Steph Curry's great to watch. He's obviously amazing for the NBA. He's amazing for the game of basketball. Um, He has completely changed the way basketball is played. So obviously, I'm so happy to see Steph Curry back um, in there as an all-star, as one of the best players in the NBA. Um, another one, I mean, obviously, and this is no secret, but it's, it's nice to see Jalen Brown in there because Jalen Brown has had a phenomenal year. Um, him and Jason Tatum together have been absolutely uh, phenomenal together. It's nice to see Jalen Brown get the recognition of, of being an all-star because he is a phenomenal player, um, and he's definitely playing like an all-star this year. And, you know, the last person I'll talk about is Zach Levine. It's nice to see Zach Levine in there as an uh, Eastern Conference Reserve because, really, we've kind of just seen Zach Levine as, you know, the guy that wins the dunk contest. He's a phenomenal dunker. He's a good athlete. But it's nice to see him get some recognition for the way he's playing this year. I mean, he's averaging almost 29 points a game this year. So um, he's not on a good team or anything. He's on the Bulls. But it's nice to see Zach Levine finally get some recognition and playing at an all-star level because he is a really good player, and he can clearly do a lot more than just dunk a basketball. Yes, yes, of course. I 100% agree. And Jalen Brown really has deserved his spot this year. I also agree the same thing with Zach Levine. Trevor, over to you, all-star roster, some of your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, with the, when the all-star teams are announced – you're always gonna people are always gonna find something to complain about they're always gonna find oh this person snubbed or, or whatever but I didn't really have too much to complain about I thought they did a really good job I mean yes I would say like you you would think on the surface yes Devin Booker des- certainly deserved a spot and he ended up, he ends up getting one anyway because Anthony Davis is hurt but he was kind of like the consensus oh like Devin Booker should have been on the all-star team 
Um, you know, and, and I hear that. But the thing is, when you say that someone is a snub and like this guy, how could you not have this guy on? You got to take someone out. And if you look at the West roster, I mean, I'm not sure if you're who you're taking out. I mean, I think the person, if you're going to take out another guard, it has to be, it would, it would have had to be his teammate, Chris Paul. And I'm not sure if you're putting Devin Booker in over Chris Paul or not. I don't know. I think it's super close. Um, but, but that's the only thing. Um, other than that, though, I thought it was, I thought they got it right. Pretty much, I mean, you could nitpick here and there. Like, I think Dame probably is a starter over Luka. I think maybe James Harden should have been the starter over Kyrie. But it's like, we're really nitpicking here. I think for the most part, they got it right. Zach Levine, I think, deserved it. You know, he's averaging 29 a game. Uh, the Bulls actually have been pretty, they've been decent. I think they've at least exceeded their expectations. They're in the playoff picture, I believe, at the moment. Or at least they're, you know, very close to being in it. Um, and then Julius Randle also getting his recognition because the Knicks um, have been surprisingly um, at least decent as well, exceeding their expectations. So um, I don't have any issues really with the teams. I thought it's uh, very solid, and you, you got to see some of these players making their first All Star appearance. Zion, another one who uh, he was also deserving. So good to see some of these uh, first All Star appearances for some of these players. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I agree. I actually really like this roster overall. Some of the starters maybe should have been flip-flopped a little bit uh, with reserves, but that's kind of besides the point. To wrap up the podcast today, Trevor, let's go over a couple of games that I know you caught or wanted to talk about. First one up, Nets and Clippers 112-108 happened, uh, was this last week, weekend? Yeah, you it, said, it was right? last Sunday. It's a little bit of a while ago now, but I, I did watch this full game. I wanted to mention it because these are two contenders for the title. And uh, Brooklyn just, you know, I was already getting pretty impressed, but this game, uh, even more so, impressed me. Right up until uh, the last minute or so when they were, you know, trying to pretty much blow the game. I think Kyrie had a couple times where he would like, he, he was like just bad shot selection. He, they probably could have gotten better shots. But other than that, I thought uh, the Nets looked really good in this game. Beat a Clippers team who, you know, as we know, they're one of the best teams in the West. So impressive win there, again, without Kevin Durant. You know, like the Clippers, they essentially have their full roster, you know. Um, I think Luke Kennard didn't play, Patrick Patterson didn't play. But it's not like Kawhi was out or Paul George was out. They essentially had their full roster. The Nets were missing their best player. And they still beat the, the Clippers. It still looks like that they're an incredible team. I mean, Harden had 37 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 assists. Just incredible. Uh, Kyrie as well, very good uh, performance, 28 points. So, yeah, they're they're really good. I mean, it's hard for me, like I've been saying, to pick any other team out of the East and say, oh, this is the team that's going to beat Brooklyn. This is the team. Like, I think the team with the best chance is the 76ers. Because of, you know, Joel Embiid, he's the MVP right now, in my opinion. He's been dominant. Do the Nets have anyone to, to guard him, right? And they probably don't, but I don't know if it's going to matter. Because if the Sixers can't stop uh, Kevin Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, it's like, who, who cares if they can't stop Embiid, you know? So, like, yeah, it would be good for them mm, to get right. a big. I've been saying that, but... Brooklyn's been incredible. I think they're definitely um, a title contender. I think they do have a chance to win it all. I mean, we see the Lakers, they have struggled a little bit without Anthony Davis. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Brooklyn's got a shot. And final game uh, we got to talk about, and I'm going to go to both of you at a point in time, but the Wizards-Nuggets ending was, was quite an odd one. Trevor, can you describe what exactly happened for the viewers if they missed this game? Yeah, so this was, uh, yeah, Wizards-Nuggets, like you said. Um, the Nuggets were down two, and they got the ball off of, I think it was just like a Wizards turnover or miss, something like that. And uh, Jamal Murray's dribbling the ball up the floor, and they have numbers. I think it was a, either a, like a three-on-one, um, and then they had the fourth guy that came in late. But Jamal Murray's dribbling up the floor. I forget who was who the lone Wizard was, um, but Michael Porter Jr. was like running in stride. Looked like he had a pretty easy lane to the basket, and instead... Michael Porter Jr. goes to the three. He goes to the corner three on the right side and waits for the ball to be passed to him. Jamal Murray picks up his dribble, 
with about five seconds left at the top of the key. And then you have uh, Campazzo, who's been, you know, a, a kind of a standout player this year a little bit for the Nuggets. He runs to the wing three instead of cutting the basket. And then the fourth player, I don't remember who it was, he also kind of, you know, pulls up for a three, is, or he gets the three-point line as well. So a lot of issues. I think all four of those players were in the wrong, um, especially to me. I think Porter, Porter, I think it easily should have been a either a bounce pass to Porter, maybe even an alley-oop to Porter, where it should be an easy layup or dunk to tie the game, forced to overtime. Instead, um, they settle for a three, which Campazzo missed after he got it passed from Jamal Murray. And it was just horrible, you know. It was a horrible um, decision there by the Nuggets. Um, and it's it's a little bit... I don't think most teams would not do this, but the fact that any NBA team is uh, having this... Um, horrible of a breakdown on the last possession of the game. You know, it, it's just horrible. And that's where we've like gone a little bit too far with like, oh, the threes and layups, you know, the mid range isn't efficient. It's like, you know, I think we've gone a little bit too far down that path. Yeah, it, it was such an odd thing. Ben, what are your, some of your thoughts to kind of end the podcast here on this final play? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, Brandon, the best word to explain is what you just said. It's odd because. I mean, and the thing is, these are professional athletes. It's their job to to know what to do in certain situations. It's their job to perform when it matters. And I've just never seen an instance like that where you have three professional athletes that completely mismanage the end of a game mm-hmm. situation like that. My only you know thought is, did all three of them think they were down three and they needed a three to tie? Because that's what it seemed like. It seemed, I mean, you have three players that stop at the three point line, square up. All three of them are ready to shoot a three if the balls, uh, if they if they are given the opportunity. So it's just it's just it's mind-boggling to me because very rarely do you see if ever do you see professional athletes this is their job they're the best in the world at what they do completely mismanage a situation like that um and ultimately it it cost them the win I mean they lost the game because they are unable to execute a 3 on 1 fast break down to with 5 seconds to go um so again it's it's odd it's unlike anything I've ever seen before and like I said I mean ultimately it cost them the game and I mean it's something that they're going to have to learn from hopefully they're watching film on that and I promise you they probably will not make that mistake again if they're in that situation because um it it's just it's so weird and it's unlike anything I've ever seen before in, in a basketball game Hey they definitely learned their lesson for sure that's that's 100% but I think we will wrap the podcast up there for today a bit of a long one um, Trevor, any last thoughts before we end? I should probably ask you that. You tend to have more thoughts. No, I'm, I'm good. I mean, we're getting into, you know, I mean, tomorrow's the first day of March. That's uh, great yes. because we're getting uh, closer to the NCAA tournament. So. That is true. That is true. Which we will, I will say, next episode, we we will have, we've been trying to do this, I think, at least last year we tried. We will have a March Madness tournament for the small ballers, 100%. We tried doing it last year, just didn't come together. But by the by next episode... We will have that set up, and we'll we'll put the link in stuff. Which, if you guys are down, I don't know if we've really even talked about it, but if you guys are down, I'm down to make a small ballers tournament for all the viewers too. If that sounds like a good idea, you too. Yeah. But I think we'll we'll end the episode there for today. Thank you all so much for listening, and thanks for the support on this podcast, and of course all the small baller podcasts. Um, of course. Uh, Tuesday, uh, well, we'll see. I don't know if we're going to do an episode of Five Seconds of Fame podcast. We'll have to see. It depends on how good the episode is Monday night on the Women Tell All. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, but we will have the 12th Row podcast with Will and Josh coming out this week. I'm not 100% sure which day, but stay tuned to our Twitter account, which is in the description, at the Small Baller, so you know when all of our podcasts come out. And, of course, the Small Baller podcast, again, will be back 4 p.m. on Sunday. Um, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.